This morning, as I said at the beginning of the service, we're beginning a three-part series on Sabbath called Recreation, Restoration, and Rest. We'll be picking this up kind of on and off over the next week and a, or a month and a half. Um, but we'll be reflecting on some different ways that the Lord blesses us with this gift of Sabbath rest. Now, Sabbath can mean a lot of things. There's a huge discussion to be had there. But basically, I'm going to be thinking of Sabbath as a day of rest, which is usually Sunday for most of us. This morning, as we start this sermon series, we'll be reading from Exodus 20 and then also from Matthew 11 and 12. First, from Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And then we'll turn to the New Testament, to the Gospel of Matthew, and we'll read from 11.28 to 12.14. This is Jesus speaking now. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple desecrate the day and yet are innocent? I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. This is God's word for us today. Now in my time here at Faith, I've heard a number of discussions about the Sabbath. And often it starts out with one person saying, you know what we really need to do is keep the Sabbath rules just like we used to. We need to go back to the rules. And then someone else will say, no, 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 no. Really... The Sabbath is about freedom. The Sabbath is all up to the individual's discernment. We don't need rules. Some of us refuse to be part of anything on Sunday that involves absolutely anybody working. And others of us go out to eat, do some shopping, buy gas even on Sundays. 
Some people won't do any kind of physical activity on Sunday besides walking to the car, driving to church, walking back home. Others like to work out in the garden or the yard or something of that. Among pastors and scholars, too, there's a pretty wide range of opinion about what exactly we should or shouldn't do on the Sabbath. But I think when it comes to this matter, we often make one of two mistakes. Either we get so focused on the little things that we just get stuck in the details, or we just throw the whole thing out and don't even think about what we're doing on this day. So this morning, I want us to look at two ways, two approaches to Sabbath that maybe don't get it right. And then think about how we can really accept this day as a gift from God. So on one end of the spectrum, some people want believers to keep the Sabbath very literally. You could, with your tongue-in-cheek, summarize this view, and this is my first point for today, as saying, Thou shalt follow the rules. Thou must keep the rules. This is one extreme of the spectrum. There's a story in, Little, or in Laura Ingalls Wilder's classic book, Little House in the Big Woods, that shows us this approach. And it's about Laura's grandfather, Alonzo, and his brothers when they were little boys. And in that story, Alonzo and his brothers always had to be slow and solemn on Sunday. Starting even Saturday evening, they had to be slow and solemn. And they would get up Sunday morning and have a cold and quiet breakfast And then they would walk to church slowly and solemnly. There was no laughing. There was no joking. There was no smiling. And then they'd have to go and sit in church for two hours. And they weren't allowed to look at the windows or the ceilings or the person next to them. They had to stay focused on the pastor for the whole two hours. That rule I agree with. (laughs) But then they'd go home afterwards. They'd walk slowly and solemnly. They'd have a quiet lunch. And then for the whole afternoon, they'd sit on a bench in a row, and their father would sit and read the Bible in a chair, and all of them would have to sit and study their catechism for the whole afternoon. Anything fast or loud or energetic was just out of bounds. But there was this one winter week that the boys had made themselves a new sled, and it was a great sled, and they were excited to try it out, but they ran out of time. And so Sunday morning, as they were sitting in church the whole time, they were thinking about their sled. And as they were eating lunch, they were thinking about their sled. And as they were reading, they were looking at their catechism, they were thinking about their sled. And then they heard a snore. And they looked up, and their father had fallen asleep over his Bible. And the oldest brother got up, and he tiptoed out. And the next brother got up, and he tiptoed out. And then Alonzo, the youngest, got up, and he tiptoed out. And they all got their winter stuff on. They went out to the shed, and they said, we're just going to do one run. we just we got to try this thing out. Just one run down the hill by our house, and then we're going to put it away. But they agreed they had to be really quiet going by the house so their father wouldn't wake up. They get on the sled at the top of the hill, and they start going down. They're picking up speeds, going faster and faster. It's the best sled they've ever built. And just a little bit before they pass their house, this giant black pig comes running out of the forest. And it's too late to stop, and it's too late to turn. So they smack into the pig, and it lands on the lap of the front boy in the sled. And the pig starts squealing like, like a pig that's just been run over by a sled that's taking it who knows where. And they keep going down the hill, and as they pass their house, they see their father standing in the doorway, watching them sled down the hill with a squealing pig on Sunday. So they ride the sled to the bottom of the hill. The pig jumps off and runs off squealing into the woods, and presumably it learns some kind of lesson about what pigs should and shouldn't do on Sundays, but I don't know what that would be. And the boys slowly and solemnly walk back up the hill, put the sled away, 
They walk inside, they sit down on the bench, and their father looks up when they come in and then looks back down, and they read. But once the sun goes down, their father takes them out to the woodshed and administers some serious discipline because they had broken the Sabbath rules. Now, there's some good impulses at work there, and there's a few issues. For one thing, beating children because they aren't able to stay slow and solemn probably isn't the best approach. But that strictness comes from a good place. It comes from a desire to really follow God's rules. It comes from a place where they really want to get what the Old Testament says about God's commandments and about keeping the Sabbath. So I think it's coming from a good place, that desire to follow the law and get it right. But it's possible to get too focused on the specific rules and lose the intent of the original command. We probably all know someone in our lives who's a rule follower. They really love the rules. They find a lot of comfort by establishing the rules and keeping inside the rules. And if you don't know someone like that, you probably are someone like that. If you don't know a rule follower, you just might be a rule follower. And that's actually great. It's a good thing. We need that. But we can take it too far. And sometimes we've added rule upon rule upon rule upon rule to God's law so that the rules become a burden instead of a blessing. And that's not the way that God intends the Sabbath to be kept. In our tradition, that story I told, some of the details change, might ring true for some of you. I think... In our tradition, we used to be too strict about Sabbath observances. If you've been around for a number of decades, you probably remember that Sunday used to be slow and solemn. There was no fun things allowed. Your your neighbors might gossip if you dared to take your bike out for a bike ride or if your kids got a little too loud in the backyard on Sunday. There was nothing but slow, somber silence on Sunday. But the thing with adding all these extra rules is that they don't necessarily help us to follow God. When we add human rule upon human rule, we make it hard for people to actually keep God's rule. In fact, if we add too many human regulations, we can actually drive people away from God because they just can't handle the burdens that we're putting on them. When we go too far beyond what God requires, the rules bring death instead of the life that God intends for us to have. And at Jesus' time, that's exactly what the Pharisees had done. They had made the Sabbath a day of rules. They had parsed out exactly what was okay to do and what wasn't okay to do. We have a list from just a little bit after Jesus' time of 39 things that were not allowed on the Sabbath. You weren't allowed to plow, plant, or harvest crops. You weren't allowed to weave together two threads, to sew two stitches, or to write two letters. You could write A, but not B. You could write B, but not A. Not two in a day. You could walk a certain number of steps, and then one more step than that was sinful. They had things down to the finest level of what you could and couldn't do. But then in Matthew 12, we see Jesus and his disciples out walking around in the grain fields on Sabbath. The text doesn't tell us how many steps they took, but they were out walking around. And the disciples get hungry, so they start plucking some heads of grain and rubbing them between their hands to get the husk off, and then eating the kernel. 
And then throw the husk away, get a little hungry again, you pick another piece of grain, you rub it to get the kernel out, and you eat it as you're walking through the grain fields. And the Pharisees are deeply, terribly offended by this. They go to Jesus and they tell him, your disciples are doing what's unlawful on the Sabbath day. They're breaking the rules. But notice that the disciples aren't exactly breaking God's rule. What they're doing is breaking all the extra rules that the Pharisees have added to it. And the Pharisees, in adding all their rules, have lost the value of the command. We see that especially in the next story. As Jesus goes to their synagogue, and there's this man there who apparently has lived maybe his whole life, maybe just a long time, with this shriveled, withered hand. He has a hand that doesn't work. And you can imagine what his life was like in a society where everyone pretty much made their living by manual labor. And the Pharisees in the synagogue that day decide to weaponize this man's condition. They decide to make him a pawn in the game they're playing against Jesus. So they turn to Jesus and with a smirk on their faces, they say, Hey, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? You going to help that guy? You going to break the rules? What are you going to do, Jesus? They don't actually care about that poor man. All they care about is finding an excuse to accuse Jesus. And Jesus responds to them in crushing fashion. And he redefines the Sabbath away from being a day all about their rules to be about God's gift. Jesus shows us that the Sabbath is a gift that God gives us. When the Pharisees challenge him out in the field, Jesus tells a story about David in the Old Testament. And when David and his men were hungry, they went to the priests. And the priests gave them bread that only priests were supposed to eat. But their need, the human need, trumped that particular religious ritual rule. And then Jesus makes a key point to the Pharisees. He says, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. The Son of Man, and that's Jesus talking about himself. The Son of Man has authority over the Sabbath. Jesus gets to decide what the rules are, and it's his rules that matter. And then when it comes to the man with the shriveled hand, Jesus makes it clear that it is always the right time to do good. And that picture of Jesus healing that man with the shriveled hand is a small picture of what Jesus does for all of us. When we're miserable in all kinds of different ways, Jesus comes to us and he brings healing and he brings hope. If you hear nothing else today, if you take one thing away from this message, hear that Jesus comes to bring you healing and hope. Jesus comes to bring us back to God and Jesus comes to bring us back to life. If we really want to live, we need to look to Jesus. The problem with making too many rules isn't the rules themselves. The problem is that it turns our focus on the rules instead of on Jesus Christ. And we need always to be looking to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who gives us the meaning of the Sabbath, and he's the one who gives us the only real meaning we will ever find in all our lives. In the first couple verses that we read from the Gospel of Matthew for today, Jesus tells us to come to him if we're weary and burdened. And he promises to give us rest. He tells us to take his yoke upon us because his yoke is easy and his burden is light.
And one way that we take Jesus' yoke upon us is by practicing Sabbath rest. Not by following all the fine-tuned rules and regulations, at least not with that as the main focus, but by having rhythms of gratitude, of enjoyment, and of rest in our lives. It's no accident that it's right after Jesus tells us to take his yoke upon us that the gospel talks about the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a command, but it's not intended to be an unbearable burden. It's supposed to be a blessing for us to enjoy. It's a command, but it's a gift too. The Sabbath was not made for misery. The Sabbath was made for us. It was made to give us real rest. And so we should accept this gift from God. We shouldn't get too caught up in the rules, what we can or can't do, what others can or can't do. We should get all caught up in the wonder of all the gifts that God gives us. The greatest gift is Jesus, but one of the lesser gifts is the gift of rest and renewal. So that's one end of the spectrum. But I think, honestly, if we used to be too much into keeping the rules, these days most of us are too much on the other end. These days we've been too much into just do whatever you want. I don't know if we think this through totally, but often our approach is to just say, do whatever you want on Sunday. It's your day. Far too often these days we misuse the gift of Sabbath and we treat it like it belongs to us. There are people who say the Sabbath just isn't a thing anymore. There are some scholars who look at texts like Romans 14 and Galatians 4 and Colossians 2 and these texts, this text in Matthew and the other Gospels, and they say the Sabbath isn't a thing. Jesus fulfilled it. He did away with it. It's done. But I don't think that's the approach most of us take. I think most of us, we know the rules used to be too restrictive. We don't want to get into fighting about whether you can bike around the block or around two blocks on Sunday. We don't want to have those little fights. So we just throw the whole package out. And we do whatever we want on Sunday. In the old Pete's Dragon movie, there's this hillbilly family called the Gogans. There's Pa Gogan, Ma Gogan, and I think two or maybe three Gogan brothers. And they're these hillbillies. They're dirty. They're nasty. They're kind of weird. And they adopted this orphan Pete because they wanted somebody to do their chores for him. But in the Gogans' thinking, they didn't adopt Pete, they bought him. They got an adoption certificate, a bill of sale, that says that kid belongs to them. And in the movie, there's this song that goes, we got a bill of sale right here that says he belongs to us. We bought him fair and square last year and we own the little cuss. We got a bill of sale right here that says he belongs to us. And so he's got to do his chores, wash the doors, shine shoes, turn screws, fix the broken fuse, feed the hogs, chop the logs. We got a bill of sale right here that says he belongs to us. Sometimes we believers treat all of our days, but especially our Sabbath, like those days belong to us. I don't know how often we think that all the way through, but our lives reflect it. We treat our time, we treat our days as if they're ours. And we can do whatever we want with them. But when we live that way, often we just waste our days. We get caught in all kinds of activities and programs. And we get so busy with things and we don't actually have much of a life. Or we just crash, we veg out, we waste our time away because we're just tired. Instead of intentionally resting or making good use of our days, we just further them away 
We don't have any kind of rhythm because we're just doing whatever we want, whenever we want. We live like we've got a bill of sale right here, and it says that this day belongs to us. But the truth of the matter is that none of our days, none of our days belong to us because we belong to Jesus, body and soul, in life and in death, now and forever. And that means that our time is never our own. The Sabbath was made for us, yes, but we were made for the Lord. And so what we do on every day, but especially what we do on the Sabbath, needs to be about serving the Lord. And what the Lord tells us to do on this day is to use the Sabbath as a gift for recreation. The focus of this command in Exodus chapter 20 is on God's creative activity. It rehearses how God made the whole world in six days, and then on the seventh day, he kicked back and he enjoyed creation. And the Lord commands us to have that rhythm too. As we talked about in the children's message, God made a place for us. God made a wonderful place for us to live, and he gave it to us. And one of his commands is that if we live in this wonderful home, this wonderful world that he's given us, one of his commands is that we enjoy this place. God doesn't just tell us work, 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 work. God tells us rest, relax, have a pattern of life that reflects a rhythm of gratitude. We're called to work hard in this world, but we're also called to have times of recreation and rest. And not just times of empty fun. I intentionally, if you look at the screen, I intentionally have that last word not as recreation, but as recreation. That dash there is significant. We're not called to just do whatever we want on Sunday. We're called to reflect God. We're called to enjoy our rest, to expand and enjoy the creation that God has given us. We don't need to multiply regulations for the Sabbath, but we also shouldn't just say, well, do whatever you want. It's all good. I don't want to lay down too many specific rules today. I think there's room for discussion about what is and isn't okay on Sabbath, and it's something I want you to wrestle with. But I think wherever you're coming from, wherever you're coming from, we should all be a bit uncomfortable with our practice of the Sabbath. Let me say that again. I think we should all be a bit uncomfortable with our practice of the Sabbath. Some of us should be uncomfortable with our tendency to create extra rules. Some of us should be a bit uncomfortable wondering if we're too much in the Pharisee's role, creating rules and burdens that aren't necessary. If our days of rest are all about following the rules and making sure other people follow the rules and looking down on other people when they don't follow the rules, then maybe we need to reflect on what we're, whether what we're doing is following the rules or following Jesus. The Sabbath is a command, yes. But the Sabbath is also a gift. And too many rules make it hard to enjoy that gift. But honestly, more of us should probably be uncomfortable with how casually we treat the Sabbath. We should wonder if we're really honoring God with the rhythms of our lives if we just do whatever we want on Sunday. 
The Sabbath should not just be an empty container that we, fit, that we throw in whatever doesn't fit the rest of the week. Oh, that program, that activity, that chore doesn't fit on Saturday, I'll just do it on Sunday. If your days of rest are all about this program and that activity and this program and that activity, or if your days of rest are all about getting in front of the TV and not thinking and just vegging all day, you should be kind of uncomfortable. You should wonder, are you really using this day of rest as a gift from God? Or are you just saying, it belongs to me and I'm going to do what I want? Like the Lord himself, we should use the rhythms of our lives to rest, to enjoy the good gift that God has given us. So a little bit of specific advice today, and I'm not laying down the rule. But don't, don't get out the yardstick to see if you've walked too far in a day like Sunday. Don't get too caught up in these little things, but do really rest. Don't work. And if you're in a job that you have to work on Sunday, find another time in the week when you don't work. And be really, really intentional and careful about what kind of activities and programs you commit to on, the Sunday, on Sunday. Commit to coming to church, but besides that, be really slow to say yes to other Sunday commitments. And on Sunday, be creative. Do things that bring you joy. Spend time with your family. Spend time with the church. Spend time with the Lord. Find ways to be renewed spiritually and also to be renewed physically. And I'm not laying down the law here about what you can and can't do. I'm just pleading with you. And I'm inviting you to be intentional about having Sabbath. Be intentional about accepting this gift that the Lord gives us because it's living in God's ways that gives us the best life. God is not some angry authority figure waiting to smack his people if they don't keep the Sabbath tightly enough. But he's also not someone who just doesn't care and says, oh, do whatever you want. God cares about us deeply. Our Father wants what's best for us and what's best for us is to practice Sabbath. When we practice Sabbath rest, and I think there is room for that to look different for different people within some boundaries. But when we practice Sabbath rest, we are receiving a gift directly from God. So remember the Sabbath day. Accept this gift from the Lord with gratitude. Develop patterns of real recreation and real rest in your life. Come to the Lord on this day, and you will find rest for your souls. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the freedom you give us, and thank you also for the guidance that you give us. Father, we thank you today that you sent Jesus to save us, and that when you bring us into Jesus, you make him the Lord of our lives. We probably aren't always as grateful for this as we should be, but it is such a blessing to have a Lord who cares for us, who loves us, and who also gives us guidance for how we should live. Father, I pray that on the matter of Sabbath, you work in each of our hearts and minds to make it very clear what your will for us is. Father, if we've been too strict, if we've been too focused on the rules, renew in us our joy in Jesus. Help us to rejoice in the gift of your Son and in all the gifts that he gives us. 
And Father, if we've been too unintentional, if we've been too lackadaisical, if we've just done whatever we wanted to do, well, convict us of that too. And Lord, give us the wisdom and the determination to refine our practice of the Sabbath to better reflect your will and your ways. Lord, wherever we are, we ask that you meet us there. We pray that you help us to take up your yoke, which is easy, and your burden, which is light. And we pray that you do give us the rest that all of us need. Thank you for the rest that we have in you today and for the eternal rest that we can look forward to in Jesus. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.